Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream, starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. It's a joke. What's a joke? You name it. That's it? It's just an all-purpose? It's a joke? (laughs) Question of the morning. Wide open. What questions do you want answered? Anything. Throw it up there. Jason wants to know, when will the Seattle Sonics come back? Not soon enough. I think they'll get a team some point. Another decade? It's too good of I have no idea, but uh, it's too good of a market. I mean, obviously, they didn't deserve the franchise to leave. That was a joke. Got Vegas r- and Seattle are my picks. Got ripped off. Yeah, they totally 32. did. I think Seattle should. If, if Charlotte got another one, why wouldn't Seattle? Charlotte got it fairly quickly. I guess the bottom line is the uh, commissioner felt bad for Charlotte, and he didn't feel bad for Seattle. Well, Charlotte's in North Carolina. It's supposed to be this basketball hub and all that stuff, but it seems like it's for college. It is. The college teams have been good and have won, and the pro teams haven't been good. There's a bunch of teams there, you know, the triangle area and all that stuff. It's a little bit away. It's away from Charlotte, but nevertheless, that's how we view that area. The ACC, I think, historically, has probably been the best basketball conference, generally speaking, there. And so, uh, well, let's put it in there. Well, Seattle. And it's me, also it's also a big city. Seattle's even bigger. Yeah, but Seattle was a great market. It was for a great, years totally and years and great, years. great fan base. Yeah. Really good teams. Right, and that was just that was disgraceful. It but was that would wrong. Happen. That was wrong. Yeah, and nonetheless, it happened. Chris says, "Why does the four team trade with Capella?" Well, what does the four-team trade with Capella mean for the Jazz? We don't know. No, it's really not clear. They have played small in short spurts. They're 10-1 when he doesn't play this year. But that's one thing, a playoff series where a team can really try and take advantage of that. That would be something else. Well, it may not mean anything. I mean, they may not play. They may not. <laughs> so, I mean, they are today in the 4-5. Yeah, but they can match up in a 4-5 series. Who knows? So it's an interesting thing. But I think that if any team is going to do it, you know, D'Antoni is kind of the modern-day Don Nelson. Unconventional lineups. Yeah. Cutting-edge thoughts, unconventional point forwards and big men shooting threes and all that stuff that Don Nelson did. Yeah. But with D'Antoni, when he's been at his best, he's at a phenomenal point guard basically leading the show. And Steve Nash was sensational. Yep. Uh, and, you know, Harden can do his thing for sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, you need that one ingredient. And he has that one ingredient. And you can argue he has the double the ingredients in uh, Houston there with Westbrook available uh, when we get to the postseason all the time. I assume he wouldn't be sitting out. I know he's been sitting out a little bit. He sat out last night. Uh, <clears throat> but the, So that's, that's an intriguing uh, equation that they've got going on there and how will that play out that's something that we will watch over the coming weeks and uh, you know will they do something else too because they got a little bit of money left I think they got about six million uh, what do they want to do there who's available can they get somebody to come in and at least provide some kind of minutes up front so but for right now it's not about the jazz you know the nuggets making trades and then these guys 
that uh, they're getting. Won't be, you wouldn't think they'd be available quickly tonight. Jamal Murray came back last night, so but I don't know if he's going to play on the second night of a back-to-back after he just came back. So, uh, but for the Jazz, it really isn't about anything else than themselves right now. Got to go play well. Yeah, got to defend. They're giving up 120 points to literally everybody. This is a team that, in a non-must-win situation, needs to win this game. If it's not a must-win game, what is it? It's a to should-win game? Need, it's a need-win. I think there's a difference between need-win and must-win, and I put this in the category of need-win. It's certainly not a must-win. No. But it's a need-win. One regular season game on February 5th can't be a must-win game. But I think it's a need-win for the team's psyche and where they're at right now mentally. Uh, I mean, obviously they're not going to go winless the rest of the way, but they need to find a way to win to get back some good feeling. And uh, particularly at home, if you're going to be in a slump, be in a slump on the road <laughs> because those are road games, obviously. It's, four game, yeah. it's a four-game uh, losing streak, and three of them were on the road. Yeah. And they had played really well on the road before that, 10-2, and two, which doesn't really seem sustainable when you think about it. But the last thing you want is a miserable performance before the home crowd. And particularly when you've had three days of rest, there's really zero excuse. If anybody makes an excuse tonight, I am going to kick <laughs> them in the shins. I don't Each and every you, one of you. I, I don't think you have to worry about that. Now, someone could surprise me, <laughs> but it's all setting up. At home, three days off, other guys on the road, going back yeah. to back. They make a trade. You can't imagine when a 12-player trade that everybody's going to pass their physicals and nobody can play until everybody passes. Right. So, and we this we tend to find uh, a whole bunch of excuses on this and that. This is the first game back and this and that. I mean, this is any number of the schedule and they, they're, they're tired and the refs and... Who knows? But if I hear one tonight, I'm going to mark it down, and the next time I see that person, I'm going to kick them in the shin. Yes. All right, now we're getting a lot of food questions. I don't know why that is. We were getting basketball questions for a while, but here they come. What? Michael wants to know what yours and uh, PK's favorite flavor of ice cream is. Anything chocolate, but probably Rocky Road at the top. Favorite ice cream? Uh, Cookie dough. Mm. I'm not a chocolate ice cream guy. Oh, really? No. I like chocolate. Cookie dough's good. But not chocolate ice cream. I go more towards the vanilla. Do you like to put variations of the vanilla? See, my wife would put, uh, she'd say, yeah, I want the chocolate. I want mint chip. Basically, I absolutely hate anything mint. Oh, really? Mint is just (laughs) vomit inducing. (laughs) Any form of mint, I absolutely can. I can't even stand the smell. Interesting. So the the food that does that for me is uh, butterscotch. Someone offers me like butterscotch candies or something. Ugh. I don't have that. I don't like butterscotch. If I bite into a chocolate without knowing it's mint, I immediately gag. You start gagging and spitting food on the ground. Mint truffles are way off. If you you were out on the lawn, you just put it right right there on the lawn. Sometimes it's chocolate and you don't realize it's mint, Mm -hmm. but when you bite into it, you can tell immediately. Mm I find that 100% revolting. Well, you would know because my wife would have the green ice cream that just has a little chocolate dot. I know what you're it. talking about, yeah. So you would, that wouldn't surprise you. But I know some of those... No, the ice cream would not. No, right. you're right. But yeah. sometimes I've taken uh, a little... Yeah. It's a little small one. Uh-huh. And a little small like, chocolate. Like at a hotel, they'll put a little thing a little on your mint. table. Yeah, a little mint. Now, some right. of them are good. And I'll get them and I come back from wherever I'm eating. I see them, put it in my mouth without checking... 
bite into it, see that it's mint, immediately spit it out. Yeah. Projectile flying at that <laughs> point. All right, there you go, Michael. There's our uh, favorite ice cream. Now, uh, Brandon wants to know, what's PK's favorite drink? Oh, even I know this. My favorite drink? Yeah, Coke Zero. Sure. If we're at lunch, you order Coke Zero all the time. Yes. You're a Coke Zero guy. Yes. You must drink more Coke Zero than you drink of any other beverage. Well, water. Water. Right, okay. I go about... But I don't think your favorite drink is water. I try to go 64 ounces of water every day, which is for these... Bottles that you're holding right there. These uh, arrowhead things. Sometimes I'll go five or six. If I get up in the five or six, I'm going to spend a lot of time in the bathroom. Too many trips. Uh, In the winter, I like... Hot chocolate from Starbucks. Oh, yeah? Yes. And why from Starbucks? What makes that hot chocolate better? Well, for one, it's immediately drinkable. You don't have to wait till it cools down. Oh, they serve it at the right temperature. Exactly. Huh. They know how to do it. And they give you that little, they give you the cup and then they give you that little paper round thing. Where you so can you hold can, it there so yeah, you don't burn your hand. Right, yeah. And you put some whipped cream on it and it's immediately consumable. Immediately. I mean, if you go to the drive through you roll up your window and you can immediately drink it. Uh, but it's also some empty calories, so I try not to have it too much. I could have it every day in the winter if I wanted it. But that's too much sugar. My wife hates hot chocolate. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of that. I know. She'll never get it. Never, ever. Next time we golf, I'm going uh, to... She'll never... To, I want to break that down. With she'll never have it. Is. It makes no sense to me. Hmm. I don't get it. Brandon also wants to know how many licks does it take to get to the center of a damn put- Tootsie Pop. No idea, dude. <laughs> I can't. I, just... I was a Tootsie Roll guy as a kid. But not Tootsie Pop? No. Really? Now, I like the movie Tootsie. That's old school. I know, but we brought up Tootsie. It's a good movie. Uh, I don't call females Tootsie. I think that's degrading. Yeah, good call by you. <laughs> And I still want to know, why do kids leave? Why do our four-star kids leave? You can't tell to me. To go to the big time. Well, Stanford's is not a losing season last year. And somebody, Lavelle Edwards Jr., apparently is going to Stanford. What's his name? Out of, uh, what was Skyline Olympus or something? Olympus. Scotty Edwards. He, he, no, they're not winning big time. <clears throat> in any one year, they've still got the rep. They've got three conference titles in a decade. So they still got the rep. What, Even the what last decade? Year. In the last 10 years. How about this? We're not I, Great. You won. I'm going there because they won eight years ago. Nobody says that. Didn't they win like four years ago or three years ago? Well, then what? I don't know. You went the last decade. Why didn't you say four years ago three, three years, years in a ago? decade. They've been good. Great. And you're right. They had a bad year. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. I get it. I watched them too. They lost a lot of games. They've been trending downward. Guys are transferring. The transfer portal models will be named the Stanford Connection. Guys are leaving left and right. You're not going to Stanford expecting them to win the conference next year. You're just not. Now, if you want to say education, I say more power to you. I'm happy for you. It's a puzzling thing to me, and it goes beyond winning. I guess if a UCLA comes in and takes away a kid, then I don't get it. Because I think USC, Stanford, Oregon, and Washington all have the rep. They have the conference titles in the Pac-12 era. 
the other schools coming in. I guess Texas would be a little puzzling. It's not like they've been piling up conference championships. For sure. LSU and Alabama, you know, are you are you routinely nationally ranked, chasing the conference title? I think that's where they go. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're talking with Tim Lacombe next, Utah Jazz radio studio analyst. We'll talk with him about breaking the streak. DJ and PK brought to you by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing and get your winter furnace tune-up and safety check for $33 by calling Action Plumbing at 801-833-3333 or going to actionplumbing.net. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke, on a ski slope at a grocery store at a gas station. Somebody's going to come up to you and say, what's going on with the Jazz? So let me ask you this, David. What's going on with the Jazz? So right now, we're not very good defensively. But I actually think in a lot of ways this takes us right back to the very start of the season. When the season started, my opinion of the Jazz from my numbers analysis was that they would have one of the number one, two, or three offenses in the NBA. And the question was whether or not they could be elite defensively still. If they were going to be middle of the pack defensively, they'd be really, really good. If they were elite defensively, they'd be great. Western Conference finalist, NBA finalist, caliber team. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Today's Wednesday. It's a win tickets Wednesday. Coming up later in the show, your chance to win journey tickets. Journey will be out on the road next summer with the Pretenders on an extensive North American tour featuring all new production and hits from start to finish. Your chance to see them live is May 21st at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. Time to talk jazz basketball with Tim Lacombe. You hear him on the pre-half and post-game shows. He joins us now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Tim, good morning. Good morning. All that dental work in the back in the uh, in the background now fading fading over the horizon. You feeling good? Oh, oh yeah, man. It's like like it never happened, you know. You got the, you know, I got the best dental team in the world, so we, uh, we got it. We put an end to that swelling. Excellent. So I guess the question is, can the Jazz do the same thing with the losing streak against Denver tonight? Well, you know, I am, uh, I'm optimistic that they can. They played well at home, uh, but I'm telling you, you know, just like when you get hot and you figure you can't ever lose. You know, during that stretch, everything the Jazz did came up great. Um, when you're losing, it's kind of contagious, too. So you actually, I mean, it's really something when you, you have a streak, the longest streak of the year, you got to go break it. Um, I think there's only one way, really, to ensure that happens, and that's to uh, really devote tonight to the defensive end and try to get playing good over on that side again. Joe Ingles had his best ball when Conley was out and Conley's back. How do they go about making sure that Joe can still make the contributions that he's capable of making while still having Conley in there? You know, I think it's got to be uh, – it's interesting because I think Joe, and, and he's shown this, uh, he's, he does he does his best when he has the ball in his hands. He's able to initiate, get a feel for things. Uh and he does a great job in the pick and roll. I mean, he might be, truth be told, he might be the best jazz player in the pick and roll. Um, so 
I think that it's got to be something that's worked out. You know, there's a, it's a great problem to have, a bunch of guys that can initiate offense, a bunch of guys that can play in pick and roll. But I think, you know, the last four games, Joe's has not gotten out of single digits, and I think that he's really important to this team, particularly, you know, him being able to score the ball. So whatever you got to do to make sure he's a, he's got a part in the, the offense, um, and by part I mean being able to initiate play out ball screens a little bit more, um, then I think that's what you got to do. So when you watch teams with the center who can uh, shoot the 20-footer, if not the three-pointer, it pulls Gobert a long way away from the hoop and cuts down on how much help he can provide. Can teams going forward pretty much turn the Jazz into an average or even below-average defensive team if they have a center who can spread the floor and, and shoot from outside? I think that's one of the big issues um, you know, that we've seen. I think that Houston really split, uh, spread the Jazz out, went small. Did a great job of, of really just emphasizing penetration, getting to the, to the paint. And I think every team, you know, San Antonio took a page out of it. Portland obviously doesn't need to. They've got those two great scores. And then, uh, um, you know, Denver the other night, uh, it's kind of a team effort. Jokic got them pretty good. Uh, I think that, uh, I think that the Jazz, um, really, it's kind of a deal where they've got to, they've just got to be able to find themselves on that side of the ball. Uh, they've got to put a priority on it. It's got to be something that is emphasized. And, uh, but I think it's something they can do. It's just, this is the new look. This is the new wrinkle that teams have chosen. And so you've got to be better on ball defender. And if you're in the proximity as another guard, you've got to really shrink the floor, but still get to, to shooters. So. It's way more difficult when Rudy's pulled away from the hoop. There's no question. So you think that's what it boils down to, is the Jazz have just allowed guys to get hot and get comfortable, and it's a matter of cleaning that up and they'll be fine? I, I mean, I don't, I mean, there's obviously a root cause, too. I, I don't think it's just, you know, flipping a switch. Uh, I think you guys hit on a key component that teams are attacking them a little bit differently with isolation, pulling Rudy away from the hoop where possible. Um, I think the other thing is, and, and I can actually, you know, I was a part of some teams that really offensively, came, offense came really easy to, it comes easy to the Jazz. They they have a group of guys who can all score. And I think sometimes you get, you know, complacent on the on the defensive end because you just think, hey, we're going to go out and score. And, uh, and then bad habits form. And as you guys know, defense is about all five guys being in the right spot and making the play that needs to be made. And if one guy breaks the chain, then, you know, defense kind of breaks with it. So it's a matter of uh, it's a matter of everybody making it really, really important. But in terms of do they have the athletes, do they have the guys to guard? I think they do. Um, I don't think this is necessarily a, a situation where they don't have personnel to do it. I think it's more uh, just making it the most important thing. So if, kind of reading between the lines on what you said, if the biggest problem in this streak is that the offense was coming easy, they were beating a lot of teams, they won 19 out of 21, and they, they lost their edge, for lack of a better term, they got a little fat and happy, that would almost be the best 
case scenario. I mean, it sounds terrible, right? That you're overconfident. That sounds horrible. But if you want to fix it, then you just got to get that edge back that you had three weeks ago or five weeks ago or whatever. So in a way, that would kind of be, of all the possible options, that would be the best option because it's fixable. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fixable. Again, the, the one thing that's always interesting is you're dealing with the human element. So, um, you know, it's not like you can just go reprogram the, uh, the software and have it perform differently. This is, you know, something where every guy has to put the same amount of priority on it. Uh, you know, we had plenty of possessions over my coaching career that, you know, we guarded something near perfectly. And one breakdown, either somebody gets beat off the bounce, which requires help, or, you know, when somebody does get beat off the bounce and someone attacks penetration, you know, our rotation to the shooter's slow. I mean, so it has to be something that everybody's bought into all the time if defense is going to be, you know, great. And the one thing I think we can all take some solace in, I think nobody was more frustrated after the last trip than Quinn because it's, that's just not how he set this thing up. This is the Jazz team's built, you know, this team's going to be the team that typically is going to guard you really well, and then they're going to be great and efficiently uh, great on the offensive end. And I think they just lost their way a little bit. I think fatigue may have something to do with it, being on the road that much, um, you know, that many games in a row. So I think that there's, there's all sorts of things, but the bottom line is, barring any future moves, this is the team you have, and you've got to make the most of it. What do you think Houston getting rid of Capella and it looks like they're going to go small? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think that we all know what they look like in the playoffs. They're a beast. Um, you know, the, the regular season is almost for them just a condition. And then they're going to they're gonna get their team right and ready for the playoffs, and they, they always play pretty well. Um, but it's interesting that after that Jazz, I mean, they're in a, in a sense, you know, Capella's a guy who can't step back and shoot anything. You know, teams can sag and help. So they just said, the heck with it, we're going to go small and we're just going to play to our strength. And I think that makes them really difficult, you know, a little even more difficult to guard. Okay. Can the Jazz take a page out of that book and can they play Bogdanovich, Ingles, uh, and when Rudy sits down and go with five. And this requires Bogdanovich or Ingles maybe to guard someone who's huge, uh, but go with five shooters themselves. I mean, I think in theory you could do that. Um, you know, again, that's the big question is at that point it becomes matchups and who can handle who. But, you know, the one trend in the NBA, there's a lot of teams that are playing small in stretches. And so I don't know that it's a bad idea to kind of have a, a lineup that maybe somebody else has to counter to. Um, those are all the things that you, you know, you, you sit back and think about. And the coaching staff, Quinn, you know, those guys have the access to be able to do all that stuff. They'll, if that looks to be a good option, they'll do it. I'll promise you, because they want to win, and they'll pull any string they, you know, any lever they can to, to win. I do a couple college questions at you. How fun is it for you to watch T.J. Hall's rise up and hit that game winner against St. Mary's? Oh, man, it was so great. I was doing the Jazz game that night. Um, but uh, I, it was just an amazing, you know, I was able to watch that. Uh, kind of had both TVs going on in the studio there up in the, the waiting room. And I had no doubt when I saw the, uh, the defender go under the screen. I mean, that's something, 
I, I remember back to eighth grade, I think, when we were recruiting TJ, when they came to our team camp. And there was a play similar to that. Kid went under the screen, and TJ just buried an eighth grader playing with the varsity. He came out and buried one. Uh, that, that kid has made more game winners if you go back through his career. Um, the AAU level, high school level, made a half-court shot, I think, in the West, the uh, Great West shootout one year in Orem. Um, obviously, the big game, get a big shot against Houston this year, uh, and then he makes that one. That one's so sweet for him, too, because, uh, you know, St. Mary's has been such a great opponent, and we've had so many good battles with them, and so that, that was awesome to see. But BYU's just playing on a great level right now. They're playing with a ton of confidence, and yeah, I'm telling you, it's really fun to sit back and watch what uh, what they're doing and appreciate what they're doing. And, uh, you know, the, the coaching staff has been, you know, sensational. They really have. For everything they've dealt with, to be able to get the team to perform like this says a lot. And all those things are positive, and they're 17-7, and seven, and they've got a bunch of games in front of them. It looks like they ought to win. They do have that big Gonzaga game on February 22nd. But they've given up 83, 80, and 79 points in the last three games. Is that a little bit of a red flag to you or no? Um, You know, maybe a little bit, but I I just love their winning spirit. You know, they've had so many opportunities this season to, um, you know, go out and challenge themselves. And they've lost some tough ones, right? They've lost uh, some overtime games and games maybe they let leads go. But for the most part, they're playing really well. I think they're trending upward. The defensive side is a little bit of a concern, but you also have to kind of consider, you know, they're kind of putting Yoli back in, getting everything kind of set. Um, heard that Gavin Baxter actually practiced yesterday. That could be maybe something interesting um, if they decide to maybe, you know, if Gavin's ready to go and wants to go. Another, you know, great athlete and sensational player they could throw in there. So, um, I don't. It doesn't worry me as much. I also believe that league is a little bit different because um, everybody knows everything. You know, everybody spends so much time uh, scouting everybody, and so it just kind of ends up. You throw the books out and just do your best to try to win the game. Tim, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Hey, PK. Yeah. What's your uh, what's your concert of choice that's sitting out there this summer? What do we got to look forward to? Oh, let's see. I'm going over to Denver to see Chesney Old Dominion and Florida Georgia Line. Fine. Like I'm talking here though. Like what do I have to look forward to? If I don't have enough money to travel like you. Nice. You know, maybe I can go bum a lawn seat or something. What's good at USANA? <laughs> uh, let's see. Chesney's showing up uh, in uh, actually two days before Denver, so I'll hit that and then head over okay. to head over to Denver. Uh, Zach Brown's coming to the Maverick Center in uh, next month, I think. Yeah, uh, and then I knew you. I knew you'd be on it. I'm going to put a bug in your ear. The Party Hounds are playing in Provo, Utah, this summer. Okay, I'll 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 be there. Okay, two drink minimum. Uh, rumor, <laughs> rumor has it one of the uh, one of their members from Utah is turning fifty this year. So oh, we're gonna do it right. Okay, yeah. Well, and let me DJ, know. I'd like you to come too if you can. So we'll we'll put it all together here. I get my concert budget set for Post Malone March nineteen. 
Well, this one, I'll go ahead and comp you here. Oh, okay. We'll Sweet. You. Sweet. And it comes, with a free fa- it comes with a free face tattoo, so you'll fit right in. <laughs> nice. Another one for me, huh? All right, guys. Makeup covers the first yep. one. All right. Thank you, That's Tim. Right. See ya. Tim Lacombe, join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A Utah signing day update. Brian Brown from the Ute Zone joins us. Jake Hatch from our uh, Utah County Bureau joined us an hour ago. You're shutting down Scotty G and the Aggies. No Aggie update? Scotty hasn't called in. I told him to call in. When did you tell him to call in? On the air. (laughs) When he was asleep? No, he was up. He was up? Well, so he had tweeted before. Like, so right Scotty heard it, that they got, and he's blowing you off. I don't know if you heard it. They got this running back out of Texas. That's him, and he had tweeted that. That's why. That's where I got it. Uh, that so no, Scotty's got. He's up. He's up by seven, seven thirty every day. All right, DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Join Scotty and Hands Thursday from noon to 3 at Soundsleep Medical, 8941 South, 700 East in Sandy. Time to check in on the Utes on signing day. Brian Brown joins us from Ute Zone. Brian, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Kyle Whittingham was telling us 80, 90% of the work is done on the early signing day for the Utes. So uh, how fired up are you for this signing day? You know, I, it was interesting. I, I woke up this morning and, uh, you know, bright and early at, at 530 and checked the Twitter feed and it was, you know, it was just pretty barren and, and not a lot going on. The uh, early signing day has really changed a lot of that. And, and, you know, I think with the NBA trade deadline, if you're in sports media, that's kind of a nice break because they were all lumped together now. But um, Kyle wasn't lying, you know, that they're uh, they're pretty much just wrapping up the odds and ends to this class. That The bulk of it was secured during the early signing day, including uh, Clark, Clark Phillips, who's already enrolled in school. And uh, so they're just kind of putting the bow on this one. Why can we call it the best recruiting class they've had since they've been in the conference? I mean, there's a couple different reasons. First off, they just cleaned up in in state um, and and just landed every single in-state kid that they were targeting for the most part, um, or at least felt comfortable with. Uh, You know, I think the one... The one that they'd never really had a chance with was Noah Sewell, who ended up at Oregon. He's a five-star prospect, and, and anybody who's watched Noah play can understand why he's got that rating. But it was all the other in-state kids that they landed. Um, Van Fillinger, Xavier Carlton, um, I mean, Nate Ritchie, who got bumped up to a four-star finally. You know, he's he's more than deserving of that rating. Um you know, and, and so getting all those guys in state is probably the biggest one. The other thing too is is that they landed the highest rated recruit in history in, in Clark Phillips, and I, I know that people don't put a ton of stock into ratings and everything like that, especially with Utah's history of player development. But but all this says is that it's just you're landing a different caliber of athlete now, and you're doing it en masse. And so to do all that and then finish top thirty in the country, you know, there's multiple things you can point at that that say that this is the best class ever. 
So I think you're spot on here with a lot of the top kids as far as uh, Sewell and Fillinger and Carlton and Richie as far as you know, getting three of those four and not really having a shot at the other one. There are other Pac-12 schools coming and getting kids who are three stars. There's a boatload of three stars. Uh, UCLA, Washington State, each take a couple. Oregon State takes uh, uh, Stanford. Did the Utes want any of those kids or they – because of the way their roster's built, they weren't interested in any of those kids. It was just a priority thing. You know, like Ohani Ross, who's going to UCLA, he's a defensive lineman, and Utah prioritized Xavier Carlton and Van Fillinger over top of him. And so um, that's that's the biggest thing. Uh, I think what it really speaks to is to the quality of the high school programs in state. You know, you saw, I don't know if you guys saw last night, Cole Hagan announced that he's going to Yale. And he's a terrific quarterback out of Corner Canyon, a very smart kid, great player. Um, and, you know, to see him get that kind of opportunity is great. But you look at this, you know, the top 25, and it's not just Utah, BYU, and Utah State in state. It's, it's, it's almost a national thing. You know, Nick Session went to Oklahoma State. He was a good cornerback out of uh, um, out of East High School, but just not highly rated on Utah's board as, as some of the other prospects that they had. Um, you know, and, and there are other players too, like Sione Foto had, had a variety of offers from, from other places. You know, Tennessee was a big one, um, for him. And, and he's just kind of been Utah all the way through. He was one that they targeted early on as a junior and, and just kind of stuck with. And I think that's, that's really what you're seeing is that the guys that they were targeting early, the ones that they stuck with ended up signing and, and that's, you know, kind of falls back into the reason why this is a great class for them. So it's not as much as BYU, but they always have kids coming off missions. Do you know of anybody who is coming off that might be able to contribute this next season? Yeah, I mean, it's the, the Puchitaos, Tennessee, and Taniella. Um, uh, ooh, I'm trying to think. Um, I, I, there's a chance that Jaron Kump, who's an offensive tackle, uh, will be in camp in the fall. Um, that's one that I just heard recently. Um, it, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys here. Um, yeah, Hunter Lotulele, who, who's Star's cousin, he's going to be uh, an offensive lineman most likely, but he's back and he's working out with the team right now. Um, yeah, I would probably point at one of the Puchitaos just because they both play defensive line and and that's you know an area that Utah's going to have a lot of space you know to replace players at um and and the the guys that they do have coming home from missions are primarily all defensive or offensive linemen so so those would probably be the ones that uh the that I would kind of point out Aliki Vamahi is another one too that that maybe he'll have an opportunity um to be honest with you though I think the the better guys to start from this recruiting class will probably be the high school prospects. Nate Ritchie, Van Villinger, Xavier Carlton. So is the secondary, I mean, they, they were really good, and the youths usually can replace whatever they lose, and they just seem to rebuild on the fly in the secondary. But they never lost this many guys all at once. Is the secondary going to be okay next year? What does it look like? I mean, it's it's thin for spring. There's no argument about that. And Nigel King, who was you know four year program player, decided to transfer out, so that makes it even thinner. Uh, they have one, two early signees, I should say, currently in school: Clark Phillips 
and Ben Renfro, who's a safety out of Texas. Well, he's actually a wide receiver in high school, but the the youth will play him at safety. Um, so it's 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 wide open. You know, the the early things that we've heard that that I've heard, you know, JT Broughton is a kid that they're very very high on. Played in every game. Played on special teams. He's the one that chased down the kid from Texas in, in the bowl game. Uh, just to bring up some bad memories for Utah fans. Um, you know, I think Clark Phillips is going to be a kid that steps in and goes from almost from day one, but it's safety where it's the biggest concern, and they won't get any help from recruiting until the fall in terms of Nate Ritchie and Kamoi Latu, who's a, a kid from Hawaii that I'm really high on to, played at St. Louis High School. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing is, is they're just thin there until they get guys into the fall. And, and you know, I think I think that's evidence by Jason Shelley switching over to the position. Um, and we'll see how he does with a little more time under his belt. He's, he's got the athleticism, but there's, you know, there's technique and there's things that you have to learn in that position to, to really execute, especially in Utah's defensive system. Well, we appreciate a few minutes, Brian. Thanks for joining us, even though it was, you know, kind of slow today. Yeah, no, it was great. The only the only complaint I have is having to follow up Tim McClome. Thanks a lot for that one, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll plan some concerts with you too. All right. Yeah, post Malone, you and I, DJ. There it is. All right, Brian Brown, Ute Zone. Join us right here on ninety seven five at twelve eighty the Zone. So I will give you a hundred bucks if you go to Post Malone. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no chance you're going to go to Post Malone. Oh, really? There's zero. Zero chance. There's less than zero. Well, no, there is a chance because you're offering me 100 bucks. But you're right. If there was no offer of 100 bucks, no, no. then I wouldn't. You've got to be there from the start, stay through all the uh, ending, and you've got to go with your teenage daughter. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Okay, I'll ask her if she wants to go. There's no way, and you know what, you even let her listen to that. She absolutely listens to Post Malone, 100%. At home? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to read you some of his lyrics. I'm sure. I'm sure she's listening to Post Malone at home. Where, what? Not on the uh, headphones. Oh, yeah, on the headphones. No, I'm talking where about... She listens to everything on the headphones. Where, you know, she's just jamming in a room. On her headphones. No, no. She I listens want, to everything on her headphones. I, but I know, but I want it played, like, where it can be heard <laughs> where you and your wife are, is what I'm saying. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.